You're listening to Mystery Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss road trippin' or trippin' while on the road. Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of Mystery Still Unsolved. If you're listening to this episode in real time, then happy Thanksgiving! (laughs) I totally spaced when I changed our release date from Tuesdays to now Thursdays that our second episode would be released on such a major holiday. Um, I almost thought about skipping it, but I decided I just can't do that to you. And um, I actually thought some of you might appreciate something new to listen to while you're making turkey or attempting to void your family. (laughs) Um, If you're interested in more ways you can appear busy in order to avoid conversing with certain family members, allow me to provide you with some resources. You could pretend you're writing a very important work email when in actuality you are catching up with my posts at Mystery Still Unsolved on Instagram. You could also send me a case suggestion of the hometown murder you forgot about until this very moment. You can tell your great aunt Mabel that you'll be right back and then proceed to binge on pumpkin pie slices and all 59 of my incredible episodes, all while in the comfort of your parents' guest bathroom. Ooh, what a treat that would be, right? Also, this has nothing to do with my podcast, but one of our listeners sent me a suggestion of a show to watch, and I have been watching it, and it is incredible. I've only watched one episode. I had to stop the second episode because I was like, no, I can't get involved. I've got to do my podcast. Um, I've been watching Catching Killers on Netflix, and the first episode was so good. It was about the Green River Killer. So if you want another excuse to avoid certain family members, there you go. There you go. As you can tell by the title of this episode, today we are going to be talking about an extremely bizarre road trip. I feel like this episode is very timely, not only because it is a recent case having taken place in 2016, but also because it's the holidays. There are so, so many people this week who have piled up into their cars to take a road trip and celebrate the season of giving with their family members. I looked up how many people are estimated to be traveling this year for Thanksgiving, and it estimated that a whopping 53.4 million people are traveling by car to visit family members this holiday season, and this is up 13% compared to last year. So with all of this being said, please be careful this holiday season and try to make sure something like this doesn't happen to you. Many psychologists believe that this happened because this family might have been spending too much time together. So if you need yet another excuse to not hang out with your family, (laughs) just have your family listen to this very episode while you get a well-deserved break from them. I can guarantee you at least 29 minutes. So go, go, go. Enjoy this alone time while you can. Let's begin. In Sylvan, Australia, there lived a family of five. 51-year-old Mark Tromp, his 53-year-old wife, Jacoba, and their three adult children, Rihanna, who was 29, Mitchell, 25, and Ella, 22. On August 29th, the entire family inexplicably fled their family's farm. 
it's wondered if they knew at the time that this simple bizarre act would captivate Australian media, cause a frenzy, as well as become one of the largest search and rescue parties Australia had ever seen. In fact, local police sergeant Mark Knight said this case is the most unusual case that he's ever been a part of in his entire 30-year career. After the family was reported missing by a concerned neighbor, the police entered the home. Inside the home were passports, credit cards, and all of the family's cell phones. Well, almost everyone's. Mitch's phone was missing. It was discovered 19 miles from the home on a highway headed north. The investigators did not know why the family had disappeared, but it was clear to them, based upon what was found inside the home, that the Trump family did not want to be found. In our day and age, it's almost impossible to go anywhere or do anything without credit cards or cell phones. There are so many places nowadays that don't even accept accept cash, especially in this post-COVID world. The family left in Ella, the 22-year-old daughter's SUV. They drove into the night and finally stopped in Bathurst, which is about 500 miles away from their home in Sylvan. All right, let's backtrack a tiny, tiny bit. So when Mark and Jacoba decided to rope their family into this bizarre off-the-grid vacation, one of the kids, Mitchell, had the presence of mind to know that this was a little strange. So he secretly brought his cell phone on this trip. However, 19 miles into the trip, he was found out. His parents flipped and basically encouraged him to throw his cell phone out the window while driving on the highway. Whether Mitchell was willing or unwilling, his phone was found on the northbound highway. Why were the Trump parents so insistent that Mitch throw his phone out the window? We're going to find out in a little bit. I think the bigger question is, how did the Trumps get Mitch, who's 25, to throw his phone out of the window? Because I'm currently transporting myself back into my 25-year-old state of mind. And there is no way in hell that someone would be able to successfully encourage me to throw my phone out the car window. I'm sorry, it just, it wasn't happening. And I can imagine that that's the case with a lot of 25-year-olds. Also, in all the articles I read, no one seemed to bother talking about how odd it is that a 29, 25, and 22-year-old would all still be living at their mom and dad's house. I wonder if this is a common practice in Australia. I'm not really sure. The Tromps lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere, so I would imagine that as a 29, 25, and 22-year-old, you might want to spread your wings, move to the big city, become a little bit cultured, live with people your own age, and date. I don't know. No one ever talks about this, but I'm assuming that the lives of the Trump children were perhaps quite sheltered, and maybe that's why they appear a little bit more malleable than the average 20-something-year-old. Just my two cents. Moving on. After stopping for the night, it's now August 30th. Mitchell decided to peace out at around 7.30 a.m., probably in search of a cell phone, because that's what I would do. It is interesting to note that a lot of newspapers disclose that while at the time of their disappearance, all three Trump children were currently living at home, some of the papers hinted that only two of the children normally lived at home. And I'm keen to think that Mitchell was the one who had just been living with his folks temporarily, because he seems pretty like indifferent and not so much under the spell of his parents like the rest of his siblings, because he was the one who disobeyed his parents and brought his cell phone on this trip. 
Um, he was the one who got out of there as soon as he possibly could. It doesn't say if Mitchell snuck out or if there was a confrontation and he escaped. It's unsure, but he does leave the rest of his family on the morning of August 30th. Later, the remaining family checked out of their hotel and drove roughly 20 miles to the Janolan Caves. At the caves, Rihanna, 29, and Ella, 22, broke off from their parents and stole a vehicle. They drove this car to Goulburn, going south, probably back to their home, where they got to a payphone and reported their parents missing. Then they did something very strange. Instead of Rihanna and Ella sticking together and returning home, the two sisters split up. Rihanna Tromp was later found in the back of a Keith Whitaker's pickup truck. Apparently, Keith had been driving down the road when he suddenly felt a little kick on the back of his seat. He pulled over, opened his back door to find a catatonic Rihanna. He called 911 and an ambulance took her away and treated her for a stress-related episode. Even though Rihanna was pretty out of it, she attempted to pay Keith $50 before she got into the ambulance for his troubles, but Keith would not accept the money, stating that he, quote, was just happy to help this young woman in her time of need, end quote. How freaking odd, though. Like, you're just driving down the road, minding your own business when you feel something kick you. You pull over, open the door, and eventually, essentially find a zombie in your backseat. It's just so strange. Ella Trump had used the stolen vehicle she and her sister had acquired at the Jolin Caves to continue all the way home to Sylvan. When she arrived home, the police were already there and they were very happy to see her. They hoped with Ella's return that they'd be able to get some concrete answers as to what the heck was going on. But this was not to be. When the investigators first arrived to the Trump home, like I said, the house was unlocked. They made their way inside to find piles of their uh, farm's financial records. It appeared as if the Tromps had been vigorously looking for something, but it was unsure what they found that made them decide to randomly leave their home. The police looked up their credit information, and the Tromps were not in any debt or in any sort of financial trouble, so it couldn't have been that, like, it couldn't be that they were escaping from, like, potential debt or anything like that. One day later, on August 31st, Mitchell arrived back home. Apparently, he had used public transportation, and it's a little bit slower to get home when you don't steal a vehicle, isn't it, Ella? <laughs> um, so he actually took buses and trains to return. Meanwhile, Mark and Jacoba Tromp had driven back towards Sylvan to a town called Wangaretta, um, apparently, Mark and Jacoba had some business that they did with their farm in Wangaretta. This is where Mark and Jacoba, in another bizarre turn of events, also separated from each other. Jacoba headed back north, while Mark remained in Wangaretta. It is believed that Mark then began to stalk a young couple. All right, so apparently this young couple was driving around playing a game of Pokemon Go when all of a sudden... This male driver noticed that the car behind them was tailing them a little too close for comfort. In fact, the young man is quoted as saying, quote, he was driving so close to us, I could barely see his headlights. He was so close, end quote. The young man assumed that whoever it was behind them was in some sort of a hurry, so he pulled over to the side of the road. To him and his girlfriend's surprise, the car behind him also pulled over to the side of the road. The young couple returned driving again, 
and they were again followed by this man. Eventually, the young couple had had enough, so making a quick decision, they spun their car around to head in the other direction. However, the car behind them blocked them from going any forward. A man proceeded to get out of the car, a man who looked very much like Mark Trump. The man stared at the couple, I'm sure freaking them out like none other, before bluff charging them and randomly walking off into the woods. The young couple left and called police when they got to a large town. The police went to the spot where the couple had reported everything had happened, and it was confirmed that this car did in fact belong to Ella Trump. They had been face-to-face with missing Mark Trump. But where was Mark Trump now? Police searched the park, but no one was found. Early the next morning, police answered a call to a local inn named the Wangaretta Cottage. Apparently, someone had broken into one of their vacant rooms. Was it possible Mark Trump, who had used the remote inn as a place to sleep for the night? On Thursday, September 1st, Jacoba Trump, Mark's wife, took a train to a town called Yas, where she attempted to book a motel room for the night. However, the innkeeper could sense that something was not quite right with Jacoba. So instead of getting her a room or kicking her out, the innkeeper called an ambulance because they could tell that Mrs. Trump was in need of some medical attention. See, this is how I know Australians are so much nicer than Americans, because I don't think Americans would be okay with women hiding in the back of their trucks and weirdos hanging around their hotel. Just saying, but these folks are doing everything that they can to help these people, and it's so wholesome and kind. I just love it. Once Jacoba was escorted to a hospital, the staff actually recognized her as the missing woman on the news and alerted authorities immediately. On Saturday, September 3rd, five days after leaving his home abruptly, Mark was discovered wandering down a road in Wangaretta. He was immediately taken by police and questioned. He was also given a mental health evaluation and spent five hours with the authorities as they tried to piece together what and why this had all happened. After his interview with police, he was escorted home by a family member. Outside of the station, obviously there was a lot of media coverage. Everyone wanted to know what had happened to initiate this bizarre turn of events. A reporter asked Mark, Mark, what happened? And Mark stared blankly into the camera before flipping it off. The next day, Mitchell and Ella appeared before the media, thanking the police for finding their father. They did not go into any of the details of why this had occurred, instead insisting that they are still perplexed themselves by the whole ordeal. This is interesting to me because it makes sense that during the events, while the events were taking place, that the children would be hella confused, you know. They're probably just going along with things to keep their father or their parents happy. But it's so interesting to me that even after all is said and done, their parents are safe, their siblings are safe, the kids still have no freaking idea what or why this happened. Or maybe they did and they just didn't want to share. Now, the papers go on and on about how none of the family members had any history of mental health issues or drug abuse, but because this case was, like, never taken to trial because, like, what are they going to accuse anybody of, uh, the information about the results of the mental health evaluation is never disclosed. Um, So that's really what I want to know, but we're not going to get it because of, like, HIPAA and everything, and, like, those things are only made public if 
it goes to trial and becomes public record. But what I want to know is what was Mark's mental state after he was picked up by the Mangareta police? But no one ever talks about it. Many have wondered what may have triggered all of these events. And it's even more peculiar when police sergeant Mark Knight confirms that there was no history of drug abuse, no outstanding debts, and the family did not belong to a church or a cult. So what prompted this family to randomly uproot their lives and leave their home? And what then prompted each family member to separate individually instead of sticking together? This being said, there are a few theories as to what may have triggered this impromptu road trip. The first theory is that the Tromps may have been exposed to some sort of environmental toxin on their farm that caused them to hallucinate and have paranoid delusions. While it is an interesting theory, there doesn't seem to be any evidence to back this up at all. The second theory is that perhaps the mob was really after the Tromp family, or just not the mob, but maybe somebody was after the Trump family, and they were justified in their belief that someone was after them. It makes sense why, if that was the case, the Trumps would continue to play dumb and innocent and never disclose the true nature behind their bizarre disappearance. Maybe they really had been doing sketchy, and now they don't want anybody to know. (laughs) At one point during the trip, Mitchell disclosed that the family had decided that it might be best to even flee the country altogether. However, Mitchell reminded them that passports could be traced and the family decided that they would that, that would not be good. The third theory is that the Trump family suffered from a phenomenon called folie adieu. It is a rare psychological condition that affects very close family members. It's essentially when people are in close quarters and they share this like unshakable delusion or paranoia. If you have watched the second season of the OA, then you will remember that this is kind of what the psychologists believe that those five angels, I mean, it's probably not going to make sense if you've never seen the OA, but that's what they think that they're suffering from. Doctors were unsure who first began the delusional paranoia. It was clear that at some point, all five of the Trump family members were suffering from delusions. There is a study on this very kind of shared delusion that states that over 90% of people who suffer from folie adieu are couples, parents, or children, and siblings. After some digging by the media, it was discovered that in the weeks prior to their bizarre disappearance, apparently both Mark and Jacoba had exhibited signs of increased stress, which was noticed by family and friends of the couple. One witness, who didn't want to be named, came forward and said that the couple had expressed a belief to him that someone was out to get them and wanted to rob them and kill them. Years later, Ella, who was now 25, was asked what she believed triggered the road trip. She said, quote, It's all very confusing. I'm still confused. I think our state of mind weren't in the best place. There's no one reason for it. It's all very bizarre to me, even now, end quote. In the end, this intriguing and confusing road trip spanned over a thousand miles, five days, and even five years later, the family themselves are not providing a cause or reason for it. All right. Do you want to know my theory? Okay, here we go. I think that Mark, the dad, had gotten very stressed about something, I don't know what, and delusional. He shared these delusional thoughts with his wife, Jacoba, who either decided to take on the stress 
and believed the delusions or just became stressed because of her husband's delusions and this made her more malleable to his whims to simply keep him happy. I think one day the dad and mom were going through paperwork when they found something. It might not have even been something like pertainable to whatever they were worried about, but whatever they found, they thought that this finding confirmed their delusions when in fact it did not. They ran to their children in a panic state, telling them that they needed to leave right away. I believe that the daughters, Rihanna and Ella, were frightened. They believed what their parents were saying, albeit they probably didn't understand anything that was going on, but trusted that their parents would want to keep them safe and wouldn't just like make this up. Mitchell went along with it, not because he believed any of it, but felt he needed to go along to protect his family from themselves, essentially. Like, he really seems like he was the only, like, person with a stable mind at this point. This is why Mitchell brought his cell phone, even though he was instructed not to. Earlier the next morning, though, after being in a car ride with his other family members and knowing that there was, like, nothing he could do to snap them out of it, he left. Later, the girls, feeling unsafe or possibly knowing that they needed to find help for their parents, escaped. All right, now we get to the part where the girls split up. And while I do think it's odd, I think that this is what happened. I think that Ella wanted to go home after reporting her parents missing to hopefully find Mitchell, and Rihanna wanted to go back and find her parents to make sure that they were okay. But Rihanna suffered a panic attack along the way and found refuge in an unlocked truck. Luckily, Rihanna stumbled into the truck of a kind man who got her medical attention. Later, as you remember, Mark and Jacoba split up, and I think that this is because Mark had attempted to convince Jacoba that they needed to press on with this weird little mission that he had in his mind, which Jacoba did for a bit to please her husband, but then her mom instincts took over. Remember, if Jacoba truly believes that her family is in danger, her children are now missing, all three of them. It would make sense that after they split, Mark would press on to whatever his final destination is in his mind, whereas Jacoba would return north, hoping to find her three children. However, due to her stress, it was noticed... Um, and she was given medical attention by the innkeeper. I think that because of this and the fact that Mark was found several days later still on whatever bender he was on, I'm keen to believe that Mark was the one who was the main person who had kind of like triggered all of the delusions um, because he stayed on course with this perceived mission until he was taken in by police. So yeah, I think that Mark, the dad, was the main instigator of this entire trip. Everyone else was just kind of like along for the ride, either because they were afraid that he could be right or they were afraid for his safety. It makes sense to me why the family would stay pretty hush-hush about the whole thing even afterwards because they probably don't want to like throw their parents or their dad under the bus as being like a crazy loony, which could possibly destroy their family's business and make them social pariahs in their small town. In the end, I think Mark and Potts flee Jacoba suffered from some type of mental breakdown, and because there's such a social stigma around mental illness in our society, and I'm assuming even more so in a tiny rural town in Australia, we will probably never know the truth about what happened. What do you think? Do you agree with any of the theories discussed today? Do you have a theory of your own? Please share your thoughts with me on the post I created 
of today's case on my Instagram at mysteriestillunsolved. Binge all 59 of my episodes on my website at www.mysteriestillunsolved.com. You can also find me on Apple and Spotify. Thank you so much for joining me today on Thanksgiving of all days. I very much appreciate and I'm grateful for you. This is the day of gratitude after all. I hope that you enjoy yourselves. I hope you get as much turkey, rolls, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and all the pie that your little heart could desire. Um, if you want to know how you can support this podcast, follow me on Instagram at mysterystillunsolved. Visit my website at www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Tell a true crime-loving friend or family member about me. Word of mouth is the best way to get true blue followers and listens. And heck, you're with your family right now. Just be like, hey, uh, I just want to make an announcement. Uh, listen to Mystery Still Unsolved. Okay, goodbye. See, it's easy. And the best way to support this podcast... Join me next week when together we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?